Leave the poor snakes alone. <laughs> right? Stop doing it. <laughs> like it's they're not they're good. having a grand old time. <laughs> Just leave them be. <laughs> Here we are for episode 20 of Fairy Tale Fix. A very special episode of Fairy Tale Fix. Mm -hmm. Because once again, we have been joined by a guest. Who is it? (laughs) Our guest is you, Heidi. It's me? Wait a second. I'm not normally on the show. (laughs) No, you're actually not normally on the show. Although we do talk about it. Well, in my mind, I guess I am. We do talk about it every episode. (laughs) Well, I do love this show quite a bit. Thank you. Introduce yourself. Who are you? What are you doing here? My name is Heidi Owens. I use she, her pronouns. I, uh, in honor of Pride Month, I will just go out here and say I am a uh, transgender demisexual lesbian. I am a super fan of fairy tales and mythology and any sort of folk tales like that like I've been able to escape into since ever since I was a kid grew up with like the pretty standard fairy tale lore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over time. I just delved into as much as I could. Uh, and then I turned 20 and uh, stopped having time for anything. <laughs> and then I found podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. Accurate. Yeah. Here we are 12 years later, and I have renewed my love of, of fairy tales and storytelling. Yeah, Heidi is actually on another podcast with Abby. Heidi, tell us a little bit about this incredible <laughs> podcast that you're on. Well, this incredible podcast that I'm on is uh, is called Far Beyond the Stars. It mm-hmm. is a story of rags to riches to ruin and revenge. And it's about a crew of misfit um, aliens who are working their nine to five jobs and get screwed out of a paycheck and have to figure out how to get paid. I play the mechanic. G is always super awkward. She, she's a uh, seven and a half foot tall crystal rock person who Very cool. glows from within and uh, is this deep indigo blue, has great relationships with the other crew members, though is super anxious about being abandoned and uh is always kind of worried that they're going to find out bad things about Jure and kick Jure off the crew. This is not coming from a place of reality in the slightest. <laughs> uh-huh. No. <laughs> uh, like, no one ever in history has ever really poured their own soul and their own awful existential fears and questions into a TTRPG character. <laughs> it's not done. No, no, no one uses TTRPGs for any sort of intense personal therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have an entire theory based around the idea of using TTRPGs as therapy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. To like work through your personal trauma. Yeah, or help actual clients work through their personal trauma. You should write a paper about that because I would read it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> did you write a paper about that? I, yeah, I I actually did in college uh, for my grad school. Oh my like, god! I would have to track it down if you wanted to read it, but I could. Would you let me? Yeah, would you let amazing. me read it? It's okay if you don't want me to. But I I love that theory because I've got my own ideas about how we use TTRPGs to work out our questions about ourselves, in addition to working out any trauma or questions about our worldview that we need to work through, but also just questions about like, who am I? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person do I think Mm -hmm. I already am? And then making a character and exploring different aspects of your own personality or identity is is something that I think TTRPGs are really valuable for. So I guess to give people context uh, who don't know me, I am also a licensed professional therapist or counselor. That is important to note. 
Um, so I spend a lot of time thinking about therapeutic practices and how to, um, how to utilize, um, different avenues to help people work through their mental health, work through trauma and kind of develop better interpersonal communication skills. Uh, and the thing, the things that are really nice about TTRPGs is that they're, they're functionally a form of narrative therapy, which is all about rewriting your own story and trying to fit when it comes to like dealing with trauma, like trying to fit those pieces of trauma into your, into your self identity. So by doing like a TTRPG, you get this sort of group narrative experience where you're creating a narrative. You can introduce elements of yourself and things that are relevant to your experience as a person and use that to work through and process, you know, and it can be processing in in the sense of, actually developing better communication skills or, you know, having characters who experience similar traumas and you figure out how they would handle it. And then that can help you then understand how you might handle it and have it make sense in your own life. That's really cool. That's such a great just way to process all of that. I mean, that's really fun. Well, I don't know about fun, but makes it, it could make it fun. I have been listening to Far Beyond the Stars, and it is awesome. I love Saren. That's the character that Heidi plays. Um, she's oh, great. She, uh, she's also got a very adorable jam bot that's like, I guess, like a little robot yes. that like follows Jura around and will play music and stuff, which is really fun. I actually wanted to. So I was telling you how I wanted to gush over Saren. I love the Saren's voice. Um, <laughs> I was like, that would that be amazing if Heidi could do the Saren voice for uh her fairy tale? <laughs> I, I suppose I could oh, actually. Yes. <laughs> you could read the whole thing as Saren. So good, <laughs> definitely. Um, give Far Beyond the Stars a listen. It's really fun. I actually don't play tabletop RPGs, and I've been enjoying it very much. Although I did actually play my very first game. I was just about to say you do now. <laughs> I popped my TTRPG cherry and played with one of our patrons over the weekend. It was really fun. And listening to Far Beyond the Stars actually helped me out a ton. I felt very prepared <laughs> for having a character like kind of coming up with a little bit of backstory and trying to add personality into the game. So it was really fun. Okay, but you have to tell me what uh, what is your character's name, class, race? What what's their what's their okay. deal? Let me see if I can even remember. <laughs> so I named her Minerva. Uh, she is a high elf wizard, level one, obviously. <laughs> what game did we play? What yeah, yeah. what was it? Uh, so we play we play with uh, our patrons, and then I graciously allow mm-hmm. them to pick the game, and they picked D and D five E for our Patreon game. So that is what we were playing. Yeah, and um, it was really fun. So I basically kind of based her off of a character I really like in Diablo three, which is Li Ming. She's like the female wizard. Um, and I really love her. She's really funny. She's really conceited, but that's because she's so awesome. So <laughs> that's kind of what I based it off of. I love elf wizards because they're, they live so long mm-hmm. that of course they're going to end up being conceited. Yep. I, I also have a female elf <laughs> wizard who is, uh, she's not necessarily conceited, but she is very prim and proper and then uses puns for all of her incantations. Mm. Nice. Nice. That's amazing. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> incredible <laughs> i love that yeah so much. i had the idea since like minerva has been around for so long for like hundreds of years i thought it would be funny if she were just like also really aloof because she had so i picked a character that was already like pre-made and she had terrible charisma it was like negative one or something <laughs> so i was like it's probably because she's been around <laughs> for so long she just has forgotten how to like she just is super aloof and doesn't really know how to like communicate with people <laughs> That makes sense, actually, because, I mean, one of the things that, at least in Pathfinder, they talk about with elves is the fact that they get this, uh, any of any elf that spends a lot of time around non-elves gets this sense of forlorn um, sadness about them because they are always left by the people that they love, mm-hmm. you know, and after a while, you just kind of, I think certain people would stop 
interacting and caring so much about other people become more distant and aloof. And this is something that I actually really do like. The Pathfinder game system explains it a little better, but it's it's a similar concept in in the in D and D as well, particularly when it comes to shorter lived peoples. You just try really hard not to get too attached to them. They're going to come and they're going to go, and it's best not to get too attached mm-hmm. to you know human companions because they're they're going to be present for a very short time in in the overall like span of years that mm-hmm. an elf has which I think is an interesting thing to play up. Caden played a character that was, a, what, a sentient suit of armor? A sentient <laughs> suit of armor, basically. Ooh. Yeah, which sounded awesome. There's a there's a race called Warforged in the game oh, setting. Yeah. That's just a, a sentient <laughs> suit of armor. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to Ricky, our patron that picked the game. He played a dragonborn, which is also extremely Very cool. cool. Yeah, so it was really fun. So shout out to Ricky for picking the game and getting me into it. <laughs> Surprisingly, not ha- that hard to to do good with uh, RPGs if you, TTRPGs if you um are just willing to to get into the role play. Like you don't need to worry about the rules as much because people will hold your hand through that. You know, you just mm-hmm. have to have to be like, what is my character and what would they act like. Mm-hmm. what would they want to do? And then can I do this? And then someone will tell you like, yes or no, based on the rules. The rules are the easy part. I think I think I agree with you, Heidi, that if you can just kind of get into it, embrace the role play and embrace predicting what you think your character would do in any given situation, then then it's really it's really easy. And it's really fun to play TTRPGs. That said, I, w- I am I have not played D&D very often. I think this is my third time playing D&D because I, I typically prefer Pathfinder, if I'm going with one of sort of the mainstream TTRPG settings. So I don't know the rules very well (laughs) at all. Heidi, I feel like since you are on our fairy tale podcast, I feel like it is a requirement for me to ask you, who is your favorite fairy tale princess? Off the top of my head, I don't have like fairy tale like favorite fairy tale princess Mm -hmm. in like the realm of fairy tales disney kind of co-opted a lot of them currently my favorite not quite a princess is uh moana oh my gosh moana's awesome she counts she's not a princess uh she's she's the daughter of the village elder (laughs) uh if you have an animal sidekick and (laughs) you wear a dress was was that it you're a princess. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you wear a pretty dress and you have you an have a you have an I want yeah. song and you are going to like lead people in some mm-hmm. capacity. There's something about her story specifically where it's the story of traveling, of adventure and I mean the entire thing is this really beautiful allegory for just trying to figure out who you are as a mm-hmm. person, which I'm sure speaks to a lot of people in a lot of different instances, but the entire thing is that she's trying to return this mystical rock to to the goddess of the earth to restore the the life essence of the earth. And um, there is a sort of hate-filled rock monster, volcano rock monster that is preventing her from getting there. And it takes her a moment to realize that, like, this person is like this rock monster is the same as the earth goddess. And there's just this moment where it's like, Oh yeah. Like, doesn't matter what you look like on the outside, the beauty and like, you are still the same person on the inside, like that you were before. And to me as a trans person, there are like elements of like seeking and trying to figure out who you are. How do you relate to yourself? How do you, how do you see yourself? How do other people see you and how Mm -hmm. can you be, you know, that, version of yourself and so like i relate to moana i relate to to fiti um <laughs> i don't relate to maui <laughs> like he's funny but who could <laughs> he's got good uh, hair he's perfect and you're welcome for everything <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> yeah i love, love um, that other than that i as a kid i probably would have said mulan mm-hmm. again strong trans themes yes <laughs> certainly but i was always a bigger fan of hercules and aladdin Mm -hmm. as a kid neither of them are princesses though (laughs) honestly i kind of feel like they still count yeah (laughs) i guess i guess like i guess if 
fairy tale hero might also be a good question because like i don't know i <laughs> really like both of their movies a lot and i'm realizing now that pretty much all of the 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 stories that I'm that I relate to are stories about finding yourself and figuring out who you are mm-hmm. as a person. Like, I mean, Hercules' entire thing is like, I will go the distance. I'll find my way. Someday mm-hmm. I'll be somewhere where I yeah. belong, you know, and Aladdin takes so long trying to figure out who he is uh, and trying to be someone that he's not before he just gets to live as himself. Mm-hmm. I will say the other you always you always ask about villains. Yes. villains. That was actually that's our next that's our next question uh-huh. of who's your favorite that was coming. villain. <laughs> Hands down, without a doubt, favorite Disney villain, um, probably actually villain in anything mm-hmm. is uh Maleficent. Nice. A beautiful Excellent. choice. A mm-hmm. fine choice. Like, You're a woman not- of discerning <laughs> tastes. <laughs> Thank you. And not like explicitly explicitly the animated Maleficent. Angelina Jolie, the Maleficent movies were great. I have no problems mm-hmm. with them. I mean, there are probably problems yeah. to be had with them, but I enjoyed mm-hmm. them. But they're fine. They're enjoyable. Yeah, but like they're not the same character. I also really love the way that Maleficent somehow over the course of like 15 years has been one of the primary villains in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. And like she's <laughs> she's just kind of working behind the scenes. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff with her that is like really fascinating to me, but I just, I love her aesthetic. I, if I could just be like live in a dark tower with like massive black horns mm-hmm. and, and a mm-hmm. raven friend turn into a dragon whenever the hell I wanted. Absolutely. Like that excellent long black cape with the purple inside. Perfect. Chef's kiss. Perfect. Excellent Chef's choice. Kiss. Yeah. Like, Maleficent. Her aesthetic mm-hmm. is impeccable. Her motives make sense to me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it's actually quite well documented that pretty much all Disney villains are queer coded in some way. Yes. And I'm yeah, I, I think it's really easy to look at Maleficent and be like, oh, yeah, like, she's just the lesbian that living alone in her tower that's been rejected by everybody else. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> that isn't invited along with like the other fairies yeah to the party (laughs) (laughs) she's alone and she's bitter and she's gonna curse all your children i mean rightly so (laughs) Mm -hmm. i honestly uh, well i mean there's also a a theory about one reading of the sleeping beauty story that not inviting the Mm -hmm. wicked fairy was actually a serious breach of medieval etiquette that not inviting an important person in your region to the christening of the princess actually is a pretty serious breach of etiquette. The fact that she shows up uninvited and they could have just let her stay and not made a not made a thing about it. Um because in the original fairy tale I think she does show up and and intends to offer a real mm-hmm. gift to the child anyway even though they didn't invite her and they still try to throw her out. I need to reread the yeah, original story. Yeah, I'm excited story. to do that one. But apparent but but according to but according to actual medieval etiquette um, she was actually pretty justified. <laughs> I mean, and that makes sense. Throwing a curse out there. You not, first off, not just not inviting someone, but also like then being mean about the fact that mm-hmm. they show up. Mm-hmm. Super awkward. Guest laws. Yeah, guest laws. Exactly. You know, and and so then you kind of get what's coming to you. I just love the evil version of Maleficent. That's just she's. I like the idea that she's just petty and just mad. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't She's really want to feel sad for her i just want her to like be reveling in her own evil glory and be like ah, i'm so awesome that's my my favorite version of maleficent for sure also i, I this is sort of tangentially related to maleficent but if anyone um is out there interested in reading a great uh take on the sleeping beauty story uh that is Always. very queer and has actually been done in comic book form and book form Check out The Sleeper and the Spindle by Neil Gaiman. I, I don't want to give away too much, but Aurora's or Sleeping Beauty's true love is a woman in that one. I love and it. And is rescued by a woman specifically. Awesome. So I had no idea he wrote this. I And I, I really enjoy Neil Gaiman's books. I consider myself a fan. How did <laughs> I not know that he wrote this book? <laughs> All right. Well, shall we get into it? I am so excited for you to tell us a tale. 
Yeah. So I guess before I tell any stories, I I'm hijacking your podcast and and changing it from fairy tale fix to mythology fix. Since I couldn't find any fairy tales that were short enough that I could read them on the podcast, I did consider the sleeper and the spindle, but it is a bit long to read as a <laughs> in an hour long mm-hmm. episode. Uh, what did you pick then? And I don't know. I think mythology mm-hmm. counts as like it's in the realm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Still within the realm of of folklore we'll and fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, I think that we'll allow it. <laughs> I think that fairy tales, like the the distinction for me between fairy tales and mythology, is that mythology often was about gods, whereas fairy tales often are just about like the various creatures that are around, or gods and heroes per se. Um, so I have uh two or three stories, depending on how long it takes me to read through them, um, that are all focused on um, trans characters in uh, in Greek mythology. Um, I'm going to say right up front that I'm going to give a trigger warning for sexual assault. Um, uh, I mean, all you had to say was Greek yeah, mythology, and <laughs> I got it. We appreciate True. the trigger warning. Um, Thank you. <laughs> But the additional trigger warning is necessary for anyone that hasn't, that isn't like super familiar mm-hmm. with Greek mythology. Yeah. Um, and I probably like with some of these, I will be focusing primarily on just like the initial pieces of their stories. So the first story that I'm going to be telling today is uh, the myth of Tiresias. Uh, do either of you know anything about Tiresias or uh, have guesses as to what this story is about? I am not familiar with Tiresias. Nope. I don't think I've heard that one either. And I'm a little surprised because I was a bit of a Greek mythology nut when I was a kid. But I don't remember that one. I think I mostly read all of Zeus's stories for some (laughs) reason, because those are wild. You know, yeah, there's something. (laughs) All right. How many predictions are you going to give us? One each for each story. Sounds fair. Can I predict that Tiresias does not have a happy ending? Okay. I predict that Tiresias runs afoul of a god and is transformed into an animal. Okay. Into an animal explicitly. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take it. Uh, wait, hang on. You said... It's a trans story, so he runs afoul of a god and is transformed into a woman, is my new prediction. All right. Because you said that. But it's it's okay if you tell me that no, no take backsies. I mean, I, I am totally fine with that. <laughs> okay. This story, I believe, I'm not sure where it was originally recorded. Um, I initially picked it up off of out of Robert Graves' Greek mythology. And um, I'm currently reading from a summary of the story on interestingliterature.com. Okay. And in Greek mythology and literature, Tiresias was a seer, a soothsayer, uh, in other words, a prophet. But how he attained the gift of prophecy is a curious one. There are, in fact, several versions of his story. And this is the most famous one. Uh, The young Tiresias, one day while walking through the mountains, saw a pair of serpents mating and being struck by disgust or something. There's no real explicit reason why he kills one of them. Rude. I have heard this story. (laughs) And and perhaps because he wounded the serpents, Tiresias was transformed into a woman. Yeah. (laughs) And it's in various versions. It's. Uh, Hera explicitly is annoyed at him for having killed the snake. In others, it's just unspoken. And then a few years later, when she came upon two other snakes mating uh, in the same spot as before, she hit them again and was turned back into a man. You you know, this act of snake spiting gender switching made Tyrese... (laughs) (laughs) Title of the episode. (laughs) Yep, title of the episode, Snake Smiting Gender Switching. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna start the sentence over because (laughs) it's very fun to say and i need to say it all at once otherwise my brain won't 
go forward. This act of snakes smiting gender switching made Tiresias something of a celebrity among the gods, so that the goddess Hera called upon Tiresias to intervene in an argument she was having with the god Zeus. Hera and Zeus had uh, had started arguing with one another about who enjoys sex more, men or women. Interesting. Um, Hera personally believed that men enjoyed sex more than women, perhaps because she was with Zeus and he was always off philandering with someone else. Kind of a, a selfish Yeah, dude. I think Zeus in, like, it yeah. specifically just likes, enjoys sex the most. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, Zeus enjoys sex the most out of yeah, everybody Yeah, I don't think it's a forever. gender thing. I think that's just, <laughs> just Zeus. <laughs> so I- now, Zeus, however, you say, that, you say that he enjoys it more than anyone else. He actually thinks that women enjoy sex more than men yeah, because he thinks he does, they're though. enjoying <laughs> the sex with him <laughs> him yeah exactly of course <laughs> you understand where his mind is at apparently during the several years that tiresias lived she was something of a harlot and <laughs> mm-hmm. i think she may have been like a temple harlot of some kind i'm not entirely sure so like an actual sex worker or yeah i was wondering what uh, yeah. she was doing during nice. that three years this summary definitely skips mm-hmm. over that, and it's quite unfortunate, but I have also not been able to find a better summary. So mm-hmm. I want details about her time as a temple <laughs> harlot. Yes, please tell me, like, what tell exactly this. was she doing, mm-hmm. you know, and how was she enjoying mm-hmm. her time? But basically, Probably. she was having a bunch of sex. That seems to be the case based off of the things that I have read. And given her unique position as having experienced sex as both a man and a woman, Zeus and Hera figured that she or he or they even would Mm -hmm. be the ideal adjudicator for this particular quarrel. However, Tiresias's answer didn't please Hera. Oh, no. He said that of the pleasure derived from sex, nine parts belonged to women and only one part to men. Hera, in anger, annoyed that she'd lost her wager with her husband, struck Tiresias blind. Yeah, that's about, that's par for the course for her. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing she's ever done, Mm -hmm. to be fair. No, not by far, actually. Uh, Tiresias got off (laughs) off easy. (laughs) And Zeus, perhaps happy that he won the bet, um, also maybe feeling sorry for Tiresias, couldn't just cancel out what another god had done, did have to leave Tiresias stuck with his blindness, but he did decide to compensate for it by giving Tiresias the gift of foresight. So Tiresias became a seer who could see the future. And also, long life, seven times the normal human lifespan. Wow. Uh, Which is how Tiresias ends up being the the prophet who is responsible for telling Oedipus' dad. I forgot that Tiresias is the one that kicks off Oedipus. (laughs) Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you both get points in this because it's unarguable that, yeah, a god... A god got angry and transformed mm-hmm. Tiresias, and mm-hmm. also Tiresias ended up somewhat uh, worse off for wear. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if um, having foresight really sounds like a good thing. <laughs> At least the gift wasn't like, you have foresight and no one listens <laughs> to you, true. which is what someone poor else has. Cassandra. <laughs> Cassandra. <laughs> that poor woman. <laughs> just saying Greek mythology should just come with like its own trigger warnings. That just automatically pop up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. Anyway, that's the story anyway. of Tiresias. Like, yeah, wow. that was really fun. I need to read more Greek mythology because every time it's so interesting. Although, as usual, I do want more details. I want to hear straight from Tiresias all of their uh, experiences with that. Because it sounds like it'd be really interesting to swap genders for like a few years. And also, well, what does Tiresias have against snakes? <laughs> Actually, maybe I don't want to hear from them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they suck. <laughs> yeah, maybe they do suck. I don't know. But, like, I do love snakes. There are versions of it where, on the return, the second time, Tiresias specifically leaves the snakes alone. And that act of benevolence is what what returns her to a man. I'm having a hard time fixing this one. I I spent a lot of time <laughs> thinking about my fix for the other mm-hmm. stories. Uh-huh. But I think that 
perhaps because I'm trans and not gender fluid, like I would probably just be like Ty- Tiresias like asks to to continue living as a woman and is like, and that's the reward rather than you know foresight. It's like if mm-hmm. at least if she was going to be blind, maybe she could have spent her life, the rest of her life, having better sex. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. That's a great right? fix. <laughs> I absolutely love that fix. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a perfect fix. Um, that that is also that is also how I would have liked to fix it. Is that she found the experience like transformative in a lot of ways, not mm-hmm. just. And that would be like the way that she would want to be. I also just wonder myself, like, what if it wasn't a magical gender swapping thing? Maybe she just, you know, wandered through the woods and one day was like, damn, I think I'm a woman. And then just like came home and like literally just did the gender Mm. transition throughout life. (laughs) And then like, (laughs) now that's really interesting. Yeah, that story is excellent because I mean, because I still like it. I still like it the way it is mm-hmm. too, with uh, Tiresias being a gender fluid icon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, I'm just like you know, both of these experiences were great. This was fun uh-huh. for this reason, <laughs> but I also enjoyed <laughs> this. I like mm-hmm. that for them too. I really enjoy that they get to just kind of live their mm-hmm. best life. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're gender fluid, so yeah, maybe the ability to switch back and forth as they please. Would have been oh, a yeah, cool really gift. Interesting. It's either Greek or Roman mythology has that ability and uses it to get back at her ex-husband. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, I, that's not a story I'm telling that today. Sounds really <laughs> that is. It, yeah. <laughs> also, that sounds that mm-hmm. sounds about right for Greek and Roman <laughs> mythology. You have yeah. like miraculous cosmic powers that you use for a petty vengeance. <laughs> All right, uh, story story number two, lay it on us. This is another one that you may never have heard of. Uh, this is the myth of Kainus. The, it's specifically spelled C-A-E-N-E-U-S. If you would both like to give me transformation, or not transformation, but predictions. Predictions. <laughs> My prediction is that none of the gods are involved this time. Can I predict that Kainus is really problematic? Uh, You can absolutely predict (laughs) that. This story originally comes from Ovid's Metamorphoses, uh, which is the Book of Transformations. Originally, I think Ovid being a Roman poet. And Ovid tells the transformation of Kainus. For Kainus was born female, but was transformed into a man. Kainus was commonly said to have been the daughter of Elatus, a Lapith king, and Hippea, making Kainu's sibling to Polyphemus, the Argonaut, and Ischis, the lover of Coronis. Alternatively, Kainus might have been the daughter of Atrax, which would have made her sister to Hippodamia. I also, I, I will be using the pronouns that are used at that point in the story, even if after, after a point. They, they stop being appropriate. Right. They, they switch after mm-hmm. a point. The daughter of Elatus was in, initially known as uh, Kynus when she came of age. Kynus was widely regarded as one of the most beautiful of all Lapiths. Suitors came from many a mile to try and woo Kynus, but she spurned all advances. One day, whilst Kynus alone by a river, Poseidon came to the land of Lapiths and Damn. was taken by her beauty. Now, there are variations on this story, and this is where the trigger warning comes in, because it is said that Poseidon had his way with the beautiful maiden. It is commonly said that Poseidon did rape Kynus, but there is some versions of the story in which she gave herself willingly to the Greek water god. Let's go with that one. Yeah, I mm-hmm. prefer that in general. Let's, I like that one. Poseidon offered a gift to Kynus because the experience was so good, and... <laughs> The Lapith chose to become a man, with some saying that she chose this gift in order that she could not be taken mm-hmm. advantage of again. Poseidon said, you know what? All right. And granted Kynus her wish, and Kynus became Kynus, a uh, specifically difference being with an I versus like a E-U-S. Mm-hmm. Poseidon, quite liking Kynus, his new best bro friend, was also ensured that the skin of Kynus was impervious to mortal weapons. Wow. That is some good sex. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that sex must have been phenomenal. So good. 
Uh-huh. And Kainus uh, then went on to become a famous warrior and hero. He's often named amongst the he- hunters of the Caledonian boar that happened after the voyage of the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. And is also supposedly involved in the Trojan War. That is where my st- telling of Kainus's story ends. He ended up being killed by poison because uh, that impervious skin. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get rid oh, of the guy. Impervious skin, that's a great yeah. gift. I do believe that means that since Poseidon was involved, Abby, you get zero points. I yes. also... Off the top of my head, I cannot recall what yours that was. Kainus was problematic, and so I didn't get any points for that. Yeah, Kainus was yeah. not the problematic one. <laughs> it's it was definitely Poseidon. Poseidon yep. is the problematic one. Poseidon always is. I should have I guessed that a god was going to be problematic, but I feel like that's also a little too easy. That's yeah. very on the nose. It's like a, yeah. If, if there is a god, chances are mm-hmm. they're problematic. They're going to be problematic. Yeah, <laughs> that is the whole point of them i would fix this one by one making sure that it said that like you know you remove the the rape Mm -hmm. story from it Mm -hmm. and also that you remove the bit where the gender swapping is a reaction to rape because i think that is this that is something that comes up when people are like well you're not actually x you're just you're just acting that way because you don't you've been sexually Mm -hmm. assaulted Right. Yeah. Like that's an incredibly homophobic and transphobic thing to thing to say. There are some people for whom that is true, mind you. But I think that if that's the your idea of why someone is transitioning, it's not coming from a place of like honesty or understanding. Mm-hmm. So less fun than being turned into a woman for hitting snakes, but <laughs> for hitting snakes, but also getting some pretty great <laughs> gifts for you know, given a great bang. So yeah, like that could be fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> being excellent at sex. Good for him. Yep. Good for him. I do just appreciate that. Poseidon's like, yeah, I'll make you a man. Also, I'll make sure no mm-hmm. one can kill you. <laughs> like, like I like you human. Yeah. I, I like the idea that they're still friends afterward. Yeah, maybe. I like it. I like it only if the sex is yeah, consensual. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. definitely part of it. <laughs> I love it if the sex was consensual. If if you know they have such like like he rolls mm-hmm. up to her on the beach, says, "Do you want to bang?" And I guess he and he says, mm-hmm. "Absolutely." And then they have phenomenal sex. Poseidon says, "That was great. I'm a god. Mm-hmm. What do you want?" <laughs> yeah, no, I'm down for that. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, as opposed to like, oh, I can't handle myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yes, I. Yeah, and then afterwards they 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 stay buddies. Is they they're still bang buddies? Adorable to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. how it ends in my head. I I'm just gonna go with that because <laughs> the alternative is very sad. Those are really excellent fixes, I think. Um, in, in addition to kind of like the reasons for him wanting to be a man not being sort of based on misconceptions about why someone mm-hmm. would want that. I can definitely agree with pretty much all of that. And it's like, those are much better and more interesting versions of the story. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, uh, All right. The last one is slightly longer again. You know what? Just for you, Kelsey. And this is, this is spoilers, but because much of how I have envisioned Saren's backstory is based on, uh-huh. on Greek myth, I will go ahead and read this one. Uh, as Saren. Yes! Yes! I love it. <laughs> I'm sure you've, you've both heard this character's name before uh, because this story is about Achilles on Skyros. Okay. So, uh, one, one pr- prediction each. Do I remember anything about Achilles except how yeah, he right. died? <laughs> Do I remember anything about Achilles except that's, how he that's died? That's pretty much all I remember. <laughs> I know he was gay in a big way. <laughs> that is about all I remember about Achilles. <laughs> i'm going to predict that the gods are not involved in this one i mean speaking from previous experience of 10 minutes ago i think that's a dangerous prediction very dangerous (laughs) i wish i hadn't made that prediction i'm going to go with achilles has a trans lover in this one okay for those of you who don't know i'm going to give some brief backstory on achilles Achilles was one of the uh, heroes of the Trojan War for the Greeks. Before his his birth, many prophecies were uttered about Achilles before the Trojan War, for it is foretold that he would 
be greater than his father Peleus, that he was destined to either live a long and dull life or a short and glorious one, that he was destined to die at Troy, and lastly, Calchas foretold that the Achaeans would, could not win unless Achilles fought alongside them. Achilles was born in Pythia and tutored by Chiron upon Mount Pelion, and yet by the age of nine, it was said that the son of Peleus and Thetis was found on the Aegean island of Skyros, and of course there is a tale told of how Achilles found himself upon Skyros. This tale is not to be found in Homer's Iliad, but can be found in Stadius's Achilleid. There's an Achilleid? There, there apparently is. Peleus and Thetis had gone their separate ways after Thetis had failed to make her son Achilles immortal, and Achilles had been left in the care of Peleus, who then gave his son to Chiron to be taught. Thetis, though, had not abandoned her son, and with the ability to see into the future, Thetis could see her son dying at a young age at Troy. Thetis, though, would seek to change the future and planned so that Achilles would not go to Troy, and if Achilles did not go to Troy, he could not die there. So, Thetis took Achilles from Chiron and transported him to a small island of Skyros, which at the time was ruled by King Lysomedes. Furthermore, Thetis decided to disguise Achilles as a girl so that he might be hidden amongst the seven daughters of King Lysomedes. Mm -hmm. The youthful Achilles protested about having to disguise himself as a girl, but after a time when he observed the beautiful Didamia, Achilles was said to have changed his mind. Thetis thus presented Achilles to Lysomedes as if her son was actually her daughter named Pyrrha and requested mm. that she might live amongst the king's daughters. Pyrrha, meaning red-haired one, and the reason that Thetis gave to Lysomedes was the fact that Pyrrha needed to learn feminine ways, having previously only been exposed to an Amazon-style way of living. Lysomedes willingly accepted Pyrrha into his home. Tricky, tricky. For a time... <laughs> Achilles lived alongside the daughters of Lysomedes and fell more and more in love with the beautiful Didamia. And eventually, Achilles revealed himself to Didamia and told her who he really was, that he was in fact not Pyrrha, but Achilles. And Didamia would subsequently fall in love with Achilles and did not reveal his identity to anyone else. At this point, living together, they did secretly wed and... Aww. eventually gave birth to a son named Neoptolemus. However, life outside of Skyros was bleak as events were occurring that made a war between Greece and Troy inevitable. And as Agamemnon gathered together forces to retrieve his sister-in-law Helen from Troy, the seer Colchis reiterated a prophecy which said that the Achaeans could not win unless Achilles was with them. Agamemnon would dispatch other Achaean leaders to seek out Achilles, and guided by Calchas, several Achaean leaders would arrive at Skyros. Odysseus, among their number, canny and and wise and cunning as he as he was. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. he was joined by Ajax the Great, Diomedes, Nestor, or Phoenix, depending on the work that one reads. Some tell of how Achilles would have been immediately revealed himself but was held back from doing so by Daedama. Odysseus was convinced that Achilles was hidden within the royal court, and using his renowned cunning, Odysseus decided to trick Achilles into revealing himself. The plan that Odysseus conceived was this, that he should reveal two baskets as gifts to the daughters of Lysomedes. In one basket were jewelry and trinkets, and in the other were arms and armor. The real daughters of Lysomedes went to the basket <laughs> of trinkets, whilst Achilles alone went to the basket really? of weapons. <laughs> really? I, mean, I, I feel like you should have been smart enough to fall, to not fall Come for that on. one. <laughs> also, really, none of the other girls was yeah, like, that's... ooh, swords. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and this is part of my fix for the story, but I'll talk about it later, because it's like... <laughs> Subsequently, Odysseus had his Achaean comrades simulate an attack on Skyros, making loud sounds of screaming and fighting and clanging the weapons on armor. When the warning horn was sounded, Achilles forgot his disguise and took up weapons to defend the island. <laughs> <laughs> like the the picture, the picture that this story is paints of mm -hmm. Achilles is very funny. <laughs> that he no just thoughts had empty. It, no thought had empty. Um, handsome, strong, fight, uh -huh. hit thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sex now? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I love it so much because he's been living there for years mm-hmm. at this point. Years. I mean, considering <laughs> I don't know how old Achilles was when he when he joined them, um, but he started he got there when he was nine, which means that he's probably uh sixteen by this point. Yeah. Maybe eighteen even. And Pira's been living her life, you know, just surrounded mm-hmm. like by pretty women and pretty like women probably very happy. Mm-hmm. Loving it. And and then someone shows up with the sword and she's like, oh, damn, that's yeah. a nice sword. <laughs> it's just so, it's such a like sexist idea that it blows mm-hmm. my mind. Those bonkers. And, like, oh, boys inherently love and swords. And then he wouldn't need any practice with yeah. the sword. Has he been training with the sword while living there? <laughs> I mean, he trained with Chiron, okay, who was a centaur and like knew all about fighting up until I he mean, was nine years old. Like it's That's true. Fine. That's true. That's true. But don't you think those skills atrophy a little bit if you're like spending like nine to sixteen pretending to be like a princess? I mean, not in Greek mythology. Not in Greek mythology. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I would think they would. I I spent seven years not doing fencing, and I forgot entirely what I was supposed to do with my fencing foil. Like, so I think I have a good argument here, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this one. So it's Greek mythology, though, like just the ultimate yeah. bro. Probably. <laughs> that's what I'm getting. Like, he, he is quite the himbo. At least as this story depicts. Big bisexual disaster himbo (laughs) energy is our friend Mm -hmm. Achilles. It's so funny because like I did remember the name Pyrrha. I've heard that Mm -hmm. before. I just forgot that it was attached to this story. Yeah. And I mean, Pyrrha shows up as as a character, very like as a name for characters in various works of fiction. And I'm like, sure. And now. Now I know that it is Achilles' chosen name. Like Achilles, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> With this, Achilles has revealed himself as a warrior hidden amongst the princesses. Now is honor bound to depart from Skyros, leaving Daidama behind. Achilles, of course, promises to return, but uh, well, never he, does. Nope, as he, he meets his unfortunate it. end. Yeah, in a much longer story that we don't have time mm-hmm. to tell. That is a very <laughs> long story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't believe you acquired any points I in that one. I did not get a point because my and I'm kicking myself because my prediction was that Achilles is going to be uh, the mm. trans lover. Uh, in yes, this uh, story, and I said the opposite thing, and I was wrong. But I like it better this way, so I'm happy to be wrong. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I got a point. And you did get a point awesome. because uh, for once. This, there were no gods involved. I was honestly not expecting it to be right. (laughs) If I had the opportunity to change Greek mythology in any way, it would be that perhaps Achilles returned to the battlefield, but not like because of norms didn't have to return as Achilles, but perhaps Achilles would have been happy Mm -hmm. as Pyrrha. I mean, mm-hmm. lived there for a long time without too much of a problem with it. Certain versions, he does have problems with it, but I think that, Achilles is the original sword mm-hmm. lesbian. 100%. Yes! <laughs> and is just, you know, just having a grand old time living there amongst amongst the women with her wife and mm-hmm. um, their son. And either doesn't go and die in, in the Trojan mm-hmm. War or doesn't die in the Trojan War and comes back to, to live the rest of her life happy mm-hmm. with 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 Daidama. If only these old Greek stories ended in yeah. a happy way. Yeah. That is exactly what I'd want for her because I didn't know this story, this story of Achilles. I only knew that Achilles got dipped by his mother in the river Styx and became invulnerable except for his heel and then dies at Troy because he gets shot in the mm-hmm. heel. And that's what kills him, which sucks. <laughs> I, having not read the entire Achilleid, it is it is just interesting that there is a lot more to mm-hmm. his story. And when I was researching for this episode, I there, I came across a lot of instances of female to male transitioning, and not even just transitioning, but cross dressing and living as a man to avoid whatever negative thing might happen and this is one of the only instances i found that someone you know 
and he didn't choose for himself, but, and that's another thing I would choose. I would have him choose to live as a woman Mm -hmm. rather than have his mom force him to. Right. It's so interesting that so much of his life was this was living, was living as Pira. Yeah. That his life was Pira and then Troy. Mm -hmm. Yes. So much of his life. Yeah. Where he found love again, but. Where he found love again, which is why he's a bisexual (laughs) king. I love Pira, the the original sword lesbian, mm-hmm. just delights me. And I I do wish that maybe that like he had been able to go on as Pira. I think that's a really good, really good fix for it. Yeah. Since he'd lived that way so long. So those are the stories I have to tell Thank you today. Thank you. Those were great. Mm-hmm. I am glad you all enjoyed them. Yeah, it's always fun to like very much switch it up. So far, both of our guests have really switched it up, told something totally unexpected and also use their amazing far beyond the stars voice. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I fucking love. I think we should take the opportunity to put Heidi in the hot seat and make her make predictions. Oh, okay. I've got a really good one. I'm super stoked on it. (laughs) It's pretty short. It's only like three pages and I found it from one of my newest books that we got from Chris Otto, one of our patrons, A Book of Cats and Creatures. Ooh. I know. Cute. It's so adorable. I'm so stoked that Ruth Manning Sanders has a book of cats and creatures. Mm-hmm. I love it. And this story is called The Imp Cat. Heidi and Abby, give me three predictions. Well, it's, you know, it's only three pages, maybe like two predictions. And um, an imp is like a little devil or sprite creature, just in case. The imp cat. It's funny. I actually didn't know that. I thought imp was like a slur (laughs) for like a short person. So I was just like, oh, fuck, maybe I shouldn't read this. I mean, if you're going, if you're going strictly with yeah, the game yeah, of that's Thrones, totally where I got uh, it from. interpretation, like, oh. that makes sense for why, for why you think that. Um, I forgot. That it, that I mean, was that's his absolutely yeah, the way yeah, they that's, used it. So that's what Thrones, I assumed. So. so I just wanted to throw that out there. Just but 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 they used it that way because imp means mm-hmm. little demon. Um. Okay, so it's the imp cat, and I am going to stick with our themes of, uh, you know, metamorphosis and transformation in this episode, that it is a tiny demon that has transmogrified itself into a cat in this story. The demon cat tries to trick some kids into making a deal with the devil. I don't know. That's my... Those are my... Those Those are great predictions. (laughs) I am going to predict that throughout the story or at the, by the end of the story where the imp cat may have started as a cat or an imp ends as neither of those things. Oh, that's a really cool prediction. My second prediction is throughout the course of the story, the imp cat will break something that will cause it problems okay i'll take it okay i like that one heidi that's a good one yeah those are really interesting predictions actually i think they were like pretty detailed the imp cat once upon a time a mischievous imp changed himself into a cat went meowing outside the house of a peasant called carl which i think is really cute Carl. Carl. (laughs) Carl. Carl's my favorite character in this. (laughs) I just love the name Carl. It's so bad. (laughs) It's a terrible name. Sorry to anyone named Carl. I love Carl. Carl's my favorite character in this story. The peasant's wife, whose name was Marianne, opened the door. Oh, poor pussy, said Marianne. How unhappy you look. You must be hungry. And she picked up the cat and carried it into her kitchen and gave it a saucer of milk and some rinds of cheese, which is really sweet for a peasant. That is really sweet. Absolutely. And I, w- I was about to scream like, no, Marianne, it's a <laughs> demon. But also like, it's a cat. Cats are demons. Yeah, pretty much. Cat, imp, <laughs> what really functionally, what mm-hmm. is the difference? The cat lapped up the milk, gobbled up the cheese rinds, and strolled over to the kitchen fire, and there sat on the hearthrug, licking its paws and washing its face. 
By and by, in comes Marianne's husband, the peasant, Carl. Hello, what have we here? Says he. Hello, what have we here? Says the cat, mimicking Carl's voice. (laughs) Freaking terrifying. And Marianne gave a little scream. But peasant Carl laughed. Seems you've got a hold of something out of the ordinary, wife, says he. I, I don't think I like it, says Marianne. Rubbish, says Carl. It's good fun. <laughs> now, what about my dinner? Carl sat down at the table and Marianne set a plate full of meat and vegetables before him. Then what did the cat do? It jumped up onto another chair, sniff, sniff, and sniffed at peasant Carl's plate and said, now what about my dinner? <laughs> cat. Uh-oh. Okay. Well, I'm starting to feel bad for Marianne in this situation if she has to give the <laughs> yep. cat dinner too. Marianne gave another little scream and peasant Carl just laughed. He put some of his own dinner onto another plate and gave it to the cat. The cat gobbled it up, purred, and jumped down from the table. I didn't hear a thank you, said peasant Carl. Thank you, said the cat. Marianne gave <laughs> out another little scream and peasant Carl laughed. We've got a curiosity here and okay, no Marianne said he the cat has talked like twice now you can stop screaming the cat talks (laughs) well why aren't they talking about it too like (laughs) yeah like carl's just fine with it that's why i love carl yeah carl's just like that's weird (laughs) this is my life Mm -hmm. i guess he's got a new little buddy talking cat tuesday (laughs) i am no curiosity it happens i'm a very handsome animal said the cat that you are, pussy, that you are, said Carl, and he laughed again. The cat went to lie down in front of the fire, and when the stomach is full, a little snooze is indicated, it said, and immediately fell asleep. Do you think, do you think it's a devil? whispered Marianne. No, said Carl, it's a talking cat. <laughs> but cats don't talk, said Marianne. <laughs> this one does, said Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like it, said Marianne. <laughs> and Carl laughs again. He says, don't be silly. It's just a curiosity. I like curious. And Marianne asked to drive it away. But Carl says, not on your life. We're going to keep it. <laughs> Carl fucking loves his cat. And I honestly understand <laughs> that. <laughs> so off to work with Carl. And the cat slept by the fire all the rest of the day. But when Carl came in for his supper, there was the cat sitting at the table again, demanding its supper, calling out more food, more food, and meowing and slapping its paws on the table. Wow. Mm -hmm. Rude. Which, I mean, that's every cat when they're hungry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, like so far, this imp is a pretty normal Mm -hmm. cat. Uh, I think this story is just an elaborate cover-up for people trying to explain why their cats are actually Mm -hmm. little demons. It's true. (laughs) Well, said Carl, so as long as you don't bring us to wreck and ruin by your appetite, I'm sure you're welcome. Carl felt pretty fond of his talking cat. He petted and spoiled it. But when the cat took to walking into the neighbor's kitchens and helping himself to food from their tables, the neighbors began to grumble. The thing wasn't a cat at all, they said. It was a demon in disguise. And they complained, Burgermaster. It's the mayor in like a Dutch. That's a mayor? <laughs> Burgermaster. <laughs> Have you never seen the uh, the like the like 1980s uh, animated Christmas movie with the Burgermeister Meister Burger? <laughs> no. Not. Okay. No. Okay. We need to have like a, uh, like when Christmas rolls mm-hmm. around, have like a... Oh, a stream where we watch the like those <laughs> it's uh santa claus is coming to town like the stop motion oh, animation oh yeah yeah i do remember oh that God. i remember that that's, that's coming it's coming back the burger meisters meister burger <laughs> yeah he in, the, in that he's called Bur- burger meister meister burger <laughs> like, amazing no. nope i did not <laughs> okay so that's a word for yeah, the mayor so the mayor basically <laughs> Um, people are complaining about the cat to the mayor, which seems a little ridiculous to me, but it seems a little ridiculous. If, when there's nothing else going That's on in a true. small town, you you find your entertainment <laughs> where you can. Well, the burgermaster <laughs> says, stuff and nonsense. What you're telling me is pure imagination. But 
people kept on complaining. So one early evening, the burger master went on to Carl and Marianne. Carl and Marianne had just finished their supper and Marianne was washing up the dishes. Carl was smoking his pipe in front of the fire and the cat was lying at his feet. The burger master looked down at the cat and the cat looked at the burger master. I can't stop thinking of this as like as like the burger master is like some kind of local grilling expert. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what makes him the mayor, you know. Yeah, he's because just the guy he's that like he, the, he's got a lot of interest. He's the guy you go to on 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 the holiday. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost want to just say mayor, but no, keep saying Burgermaster because it's it's it's, it's fun. Me. I'm getting better at saying it. <laughs> so this is the animal I've been hearing such foolish tales about, said the Burgermaster. All nonsense, of course, but in order to put up a stop to these tales, Carl, you'd better get rid of the creature. A merciful death, you know, the shot of a gun or. But the cat had risen to its feet. Yeah, what the fuck? Like, that's a little much. You have to get rid of the cat. A so shoot death. it. <laughs> a merciful shooting death. Yeah, that's that's a For little much. Wow, the wow. cat had risen to its feet. And while the burger master stared in horrified unbelief that the cat grew larger and larger until it was as big as a tiger. And the roar that came from its wide open jaws shook the kitchen and set the pots and pans rattling on the shelves. I'll give you stuff and nonsense, bellowed the cat. And it seized the burger master by the coattails, swung him once, twice, thrice, and tossed him out through the open window. Marianne and Carl were standing back against the wall, too horrified to move. (laughs) Carl and Marianne, said the giant cat. Much as I have enjoyed your company and grateful as I am for your hospitality, the time has obviously come when I must bid you goodbye. And so having said, that giant cat leapt through the open window, changed itself back into an imp, and sauntered away into his home underground, where he told an interesting company of his fellow imps that all of the created beings of men and women were the stupidest, <laughs> the most ungrateful, and the dullest <laughs> creatures that cumbered the earth. The end. The end. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. I, that was very fun. <laughs> Like, I love it. Man, humans yeah. are dumb. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I love that ending, though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that the end of the story is like, it's exactly is exactly yep. that. Yeah, I do, too. No fixes for like, that. Let me tell you. funny. Humans are dumb. <laughs> it's just like, oh. dumbest, dullest, most ungrateful. <laughs> Even though he's like wreaking <laughs> havoc everywhere. Yeah, and I feel like Carl and Marianne took pretty good care well, of he was, him. He thanked them. So that's true. I, I'm assuming he's not talking about Carl and Marianne. I'm sure he's very fond of Carl. They had a special bond, which is so cute. Yeah, he might be talking about yeah, Marianne. Maybe. <laughs> like, uh, maybe. She did scream three times when he started talking. Like, calm down, Marianne. <laughs> Once I get, because that is surprising. But a second time, it's already been established that the cat can talk, Marianne. Calm down. (laughs) Girl, you need to calm down. I can even excuse the second time because, like, the first time you might have be like, okay, well, I just made that up. Mm -hmm. That it's not a real thing that happened. The third time, though, it's like, now there's no reason that you should be screaming anymore. Maybe you should be talking to the cat and asking some questions. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what I would probably be doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, in in typical fairy tale fashion, no one asks any questions. <laughs> oh, why does the burgermaster want to like kill the cats? I was gonna say that it had like Irish folktale vibes yeah, with the sudden involvement of like a mm-hmm. mayor and he wants something and then like he's harassing the peasants mm-hmm. and then the magical thing that they've invited into their home but that they've been nice to kicks the the overly officious mayor slash landlord out. I would really like the 40 minute short of that, like as a live action. (laughs) I think that'd be really fun. I would love a movie of every story that we've told today. 
<laughs> I would especially love a movie of sword lesbian Pyrrha. <laughs> I mean, me too. Just all of Greek mythology needs a series, and I don't know why this hasn't happened yet, because there's so much potential. You know, like, you think that they would manage to do a really good um, cinematic universe mm -hmm. for Greek mythology. Yeah. This was fun. Yeah, thanks so yeah. much for coming on, and how uh, can people find you? Well... If people are really interested in finding me, they can go out into the woods and howl at the moon. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Is that how you're summoned? <laughs> yeah. Failing that, uh, <laughs> anyone who wishes to seek me out on social media can do so by finding me on Twitter at Vamahillion. That's V-A-M-I-H-I-L-I-O-N. Or preferably, I am actually on Discord. You can track us down through the Fantastic Worlds podcast Discord, um, I, where I occasionally pop up and say things uh, that are related to Pathfinder or anything to do with queerness. You can find me on there at Heidelon, hashtag 5836. That's H-E-I-D-O-L-O-N. Yeah, and definitely make sure to listen to Far Beyond the Stars. It's awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Fairy Tale Fix. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple or Stitcher. If you love the show and want to support us, you can get extra episodes, merch, books, and other bonus content at our Patreon by signing up at fairytalefix.cash for about what you'd pay for a latte a month. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fairytalefixpod, and please email us your favorite fairy tales, folklore, nursery rhymes, and other such things at info at fairytalefixpod.com. And Pyrrha stayed on on the island of Skyros, living her best sword lesbian life with her wife and son. And I don't have a fix for mine. <laughs> and they all lived happily, happily ever, ever after. after. The, the end. end. <laughs> <laughs>